Hello, everybody. My name is Mike Stewart, and I'm so glad you're here at the Tommy Rowe Podcast. I'm co-host with my dear friend of many, many years, Tommy Rowe. And today, in this first episode, we're going to talk about all the way back to the beginning of Tommy's career with that first hit record, Sweet Little Sheila. Tommy? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Do you, do you, do you realize how many years ago that was? 55 years ago. 55 years ago from now. You're time-stamping this podcast, but oh, that's okay. Oh, my goodness. Well, that shows you how long I've been around, pal. I've, you know, I've been I've been around long enough to see a lot of stuff go down. Yeah, well, you're going to keep on rocking for many, many years. But tell us about Sheila. Well, you know, Sheila was uh, originally, I've told this story a million times, but uh, I wrote, I, well, I knew this little girl in high school, and we didn't really have a crush on each other, but we played together in, in the uh, on the playground and we chased each other around study hall. And her name was Frida. And so I thought I would write a poem for Frida, which I did. Sweet little Frida, you'll know if you see her, blue eyes and a ponytail, and the rest you know. So I I was going to present the poem to her one day, and it turns out that she left school and left the neighborhood. I never saw her again. And and so my dad taught me three chords on the guitar, and I thought, you know, maybe I can put some music to Frida and be a songwriter, start writing songs. So that's kind of how it happened for me. I, I had the poem, Frida never saw it, but um, I, rec- I started singing sweet little Frida, you know, if you see her blue eyes and a ponytail with the three chords my dad taught me. And then, and then later on uh, I had a chance to, um, as I improved on the guitar and <laughs> improved on my songwriting, I had a chance to audition for a um, uh, promoter and a uh, record producer, and I sang Frida for him. He he loved it, but he didn't like the title. So um, he thought we should change the title, which I did. And, of course, as we like to say, when there's nothing left to say, the rest is history. Now, now who was that producer that you auditioned for? Uh, you know, I can't remember. It was so long ago. I was still in high school, and um, it was a local guy around Atlanta, and um, uh, I really can't remember who it was. Yeah, well, but now my my me- memory of the history is, is somehow Felton Jarvis, who was from Atlanta, and was, uh, I guess he was a record producer and a promoter, uh, and later years did a lot of work with Elvis, is is who brought you to Nashville to record? Is that true? Right. Well, I met Felton after that, after the fact. See, I recorded Sheila first in in Atlanta for a local. It was released locally. It was on uh, Sam Phillips' brother had a label called Judd Records, and it was released on Judd Records. And um, then after that record was released, it got, got some play around you know the southeast, but it never really did much. And and Felton was in the Marines when this was going on, and he had just gotten out of the Marines, and he remembered my first version of Sheila. So when we met, he he was uh, interested in working with me to as a producer and produce um, a record with me. And um, he flashed back to that first song I, I released called Sheila, and he wanted to re-record it. So that's how that happened. We, so we went to Nashville, and uh, Bill Lowry and he and Felton and myself, we drove up to Nashville and, uh, I was to record two songs that we did back then. What, what, what they called a split session. There were two artists, Marvin Benefield would do two songs and I would do two songs in three hours. We had three hours to do four songs. 
And um, they were kind of covering their bets, you know, <laughs> it's like a, we, instead of just putting all our money on one horse, we'll, we'll bet a place in a show and a, and a win place and show. So anyway, we went up and um, we did the session at RCA there in Nashville, Studio B. And uh, Marvin, they recorded Marvin first. And uh, he did two songs. He did Such a Night. And I've got one other song he did. And he, he, it took him two hours and 45 minutes to record his two songs. So needless to say, I was left with a meager 15 minutes to record my two songs. Oh, and no. She, and, and Sheila wasn't even supposed to be the A side. It was going to be our B side. Uh, Save Your Kisses was supposed to be the A side. So we did Save Your Kisses first. And that left us with five minutes to do our B-side, which was Sheila. So we ran it down and did it the first take. That was it. And so we left the studio. I hated the version of Sheila because I didn't think it came off as, as I anticipated. And we left the studio. I was kind of disappointed. But Save Your Kisses, I liked. I thought it was good, a good A-side. And so... Um, you never know what's going to happen, especially in the old days. Uh, you know, DJs could flip records over and play the B-sides, and that's what happened with uh, Save Your Kisses. Um, they released the record, and Save Your Kisses got a little airplay, but it didn't do anything. And there was a DJ in Baltimore named Buddy Dean who had his uh, – who had he had a TV show as well, kind of like Dick Clark's American Bandstand, but it was local in Baltimore. And he decided he'd flip the record over and play Sheila. And when he did, as we used to say in the old days, the phones lit up. <laughs> He's, you know, people started calling and requesting Sheila. And the next thing you know, it took off like a rocket and uh, spread all over the country, became a number one record, my first million seller, and um, my first gold record. Well, that that's an amazing story. Now, you think about it. Uh, the other guy who I haven't heard of, and I've heard of a lot of music people, took up two hours and 45 yeah, minutes yeah, of the session right. time, left you with 15 minutes, and in the last five minutes you made a million-seller record. That is yeah. a story and a half right there. It's amazing. Well, Marvin Benefil, actually, he's he's very interesting. You can Google him. He, he goes, when Felton released his record, he released his record under the name of Vince Everett, which was the character in Elvis' movie Love, Love Me Tender. So, I mean, Felton was such a fan of Elvis. He was going to use Elvis one way or another, you know. So, And uh, Marvin sounded exactly like Elvis. So the, the interesting thing is that he really wasn't an Elvis impersonator. He just sounded like Elvis. And back then, you know, there were no Elvis impersonators because you didn't need one that you had Elvis, you know. So <laughs> all of that strategy they used didn't work at all. And, I, and of course, he, he patterned my whole thing after Buddy Holly. He put... It's Felton's idea to put the Peggy Sue drums on Sheila. You know, my original version of Sheila didn't have the, those drums on it. It just had regular 2-4 drums on it. And so they were going to cover Elvis, and they were going to cover Buddy Holly. One way or the other, they were going to get a hit out of that session. <laughs> well, it, you paid off it for was him. me. Uh, yeah, you paid <laughs> off for him. Well, you know, I'd love to hear that original version. That's something we'll have to dig up for another day if you've got a copy of it. I've never oh, heard that. It, it's it's on YouTube. You can hear it on YouTube. It's um, it, it's on Judd Records, and um, it gets played a lot on YouTube. Well, then I'll find it on YouTube, and I'll post it here on the on the podcast. All right. Well, now there's another piece of things that's uh, uh, interesting facts about that day. Now that that studio, I live here in Nashville, 
And I know that that's now a, a tour here in Nashville, the Studio B, RCA Studio B, B. But a lot of people call it the Elvis Studio because Elvis recorded over 230 songs in that <laughs> studio with, with uh, a lot of the same musicians. That's and, right. And, and, of course, I think you mentioned that, you know, you knew it was uh, about the time you recorded, I guess it was 62, Elvis had recorded there for five years or more. That's right. That's right. Well, they, when they told me we were recording in the same studio Elvis used, man, I really got nervous. And, the, and then and then when we got to the studio, they said, you know, you're singing on Elvis Presley's microphone, don't you? Said, oh, no, what a thing to do to a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's all I need, a little pressure, right? But, but you know uh, what? You, you yeah, it Sheila off. was that. That was a great studio. I mean, there were a lot of hits cut in there, and it, like you say, it is now a museum in Nashville. Well, it, it was an active studio for many, many, many years. <laughs> but this comes back to uh, you know, funny how time moves along. I met you in Atlanta in 1980, so that's how long you and I've known each other. Mm-hmm. But there was a DJ in Atlanta uh, who um, uh, told me he says I've got a friend in Nashville who's coming down to Atlanta. And he recorded at my house, and I, and he said, uh, he said, uh, you may not know him, but he's a guy named Wayne Moss. Oh yeah. And, and so I told told the DJ, the DJ is called Moby in Atlanta for any Atlanta people listening. And I said, Wayne Moss from Barefoot Jerry. Yeah. He said, he said, you know Barefoot Jerry? I said, yeah. He he was made famous in that uh, Charlie Daniels song. All the fine people down in Tennessee are digging Barefoot Jerry in a CDB. I said, yeah. I'm a huge Barefoot Jerry fan. So that was 20 years ago. You'd you'd moved pretty much to L.A. by that time. Uh, right. You were spending most of your time there. Uh, but anyway, I got to be really good friends with Wayne. And uh, uh, I when I come to Nashville before I moved here, I'd go over to his studio, Cinderella Sound. And I had no idea until just a few years ago, the guitar player that day, 55 years ago, was Wayne Moss. Now, let's let's talk about how that comes around to Tommy Jerry meets Barefoot Jerry. Yeah, that that's an interesting story. Wayne Moss was the original guitarist on, on my hit version of Sheila. And um, Wayne was, I tell you, he was a great guy to have on the session because, like I said, I was a ner- I was a 20-year-old kid going on 13, you know, and I was very nervous recording in Nashville. It was, to me, that was really the big time, you know, and uh, Wayne had a way of making you feel comfortable in the studio, and he kind of took over when he saw that we were running out of time, and he could see that I was getting anxious, anxious. And so he kind of took over and made me feel comfortable. He said, "Okay, just relax. We'll get it done. You know, don't worry about it. We got it. We're going to do it. And so Wayne was uh, very instrumental in in helping to make Sheila hit because of that guitar riff that he played on the record. So when um, a few few months ago, I decided I wanted to do a revisited version of Sheila. And I was I'm going to do a a revisited version of all my hits is, is what I plan to do. And so I called you. Remember, I called you. I said, how can I get in touch with Wayne? I think it would be great to have him play on the revisited version of Sheila. You know, it's like going back and bringing the original guy in with me. And so you put me in touch with Wayne and we put the session together. We I went up to Nashville and we recorded Sheila and everybody. And it went so well, Wayne suggested that I should record some new songs. So I said, you mean kind of like, Tommy Rowe meets Barefoot Jerry, right? <laughs> he, he laughed. He said, what a great idea. Let's do it. And uh, so we decided we'd, we'd cut some new songs. So I had a song that I'd written with Freddie called Birmingham. And um, there's a guy here in Atlanta. The st- actually, the state is doing a 
putting out some uh, CDs uh, promoting Cabbage Town, where I grew up as a child, as a young child. And uh, they're going to release this CD. So I thought what I would do is take Birmingham and rewrite it and call it Cabbage Town. And that's what we did. So we did Cabbage Town, another song of mine called It's a Lonely, Lonely Night. And we did uh, two of uh, Wayne's songs. Uh, one is Token Ticket and one is You Can't Say It All. So we did four songs, two of Wayne's and two of mine. And um, so that's how that all happened. And it was so spontaneous. I mean, that that's what's great about music business. I mean, you know, you start tossing ideas around among talented people and you come up with some really great ideas. And so now we have the CD out. It's called Tommy Rowe Meets Barefoot Jerry. It's up on iTunes. It's on all the streaming services. Uh, You can order physical CDs from uh, CD Baby and uh, you can get that information on my Facebook page and probably on our TommyRowePodcast.com. We'll have all that information as well. So I'm really excited about this because it was like, you know, I hadn't seen Wayne in so many years. And I, and like you, I was a huge fan of Barefoot Jerry. I was living in L.A. at the time. And their their first album, I just couldn't get enough of. You know, and my guitarist at the time, Richard Laws, he just loved Wayne the way Wayne played guitar. And he used to, like, really try to nail down all of his licks, you know. And um, so it was a lot of fun putting this uh, EP together and um I, I'm really excited about having it out there, and I hope the fans enjoy it because I really enjoyed making it. Well, I, I was so honored to be there and witness it come together, and I played piano on it and actually got to sing a little on it. So I got to be a member of the Tommy Rowe Band and Barefoot Jerry all in one swoop. <laughs> you know, whether we like it or not, we're all members of Barefoot Jerry now. You know that, don't you? <laughs> That's okay. And I was so tickled 55 years later you got to work with Wayne and you and I got to do that. And so uh, in the process, folks, of me and Tommy getting together, because, you know, time just keeps marching on. um, I said, Tommy, we need to let your fans know some inside stories. And the way that I see to do that is you're hearing it right now, a podcast. A podcast is a way to let you get to know what's going on in, uh, in the careers of somebody you love. And I love Tommy Rowe and I know you do too. So that's the story of how Sheila came to Nashville 55 years ago. And now Sheila has been re-recorded, and there's a whole lot more stories to come. So uh, Tommy, if you got anything you want to close out with, this has been so much fun. I can't wait till we get together and talk about another song or another time. Well, this is kind of our maiden voyage on Tommy Rowe I'm really looking forward to doing this, Mike. This is a way that I can really stay in touch with my fans. And I, I really want to invite my fans on our on our Facebook page or on TommyRowePodcast.com to let us know what you want to hear about. If you have an, uh, something that, you know, a memory of one of my songs or a memory of a concert that I did and you happen to be there or, or whatever, just that you would like for us to talk about, let us know, because that's how we're going to communicate with you. I want you to be a part of this. And I, you know, my, my, my fans are the, the best in the world. I mean, they've stuck with me for 55 years. I've been doing this and, um, they're loyal all the way. And, um, so I'm really looking forward to communicating with them and staying in touch with them and, and hope we, hopefully we can make them a part of this podcast. So that's what we're looking forward to do. Let's do it, Tommy. Until next time, uh, this is Mike Stewart for Tommy Rowe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us in Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and in Google Podcasts. And share us with your friends. Thanks so much, Tommy. See you next time. 
Okay, bud. Sweet little Sheila, you know her if you see her.